These are the words of people from within our congregation who are fighting battles. And there is not one person here today who is not carrying with them some form of baggage. We are all broken in different ways, yes, but we are all broken. As a church family, we are in the middle of a series called Baggage as we look to what Jesus may have for us in the midst of our baggage as we fight these battles. And we're in a community that knows that there are battles that are out in the open, and then there are those that are buried deep within. And we see flashes of it. Over the last months, we've seen Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade, Chester Bennington, Chris Cornell end their lives. From what we understand, it was because of a deep, deep depression. Depression is a form of baggage that, generally speaking, we carry along. It rarely becomes manifest. And there are many here today who have felt it. Oh, and it's, it's not just celebrities, and it's not just the people in the pew. I was reading just this week another pastor ending his own life after wrestling and feeling trapped by, addiction, uh, by depression. Friends of mine have stood before the congregations that they've served and said, I am overwhelmed. I am in a dark place. I've thought about ending my own life. I need to resign. Whether we admit it or not, all of us have been impacted in one way or the other by depression. And the Western church, at least the modern Western church, generally speaking, we've not done a great job. Now, I don't mean to say the church in general or the church global. There are many places around the world where the church, where the church does an excellent job of addressing issues like depression. And if you look at the ancient writers, the ancient Christian thinkers, especially the, the ancient monks, the monastic tradition, they looked depression square in the eye. They were not ashamed to address it. And yet here we are, in the Western church that it has allowed individualism and consumerism to creep in. And thus we have an atmosphere in which we, generally speaking, myself included, would be horrified to admit to another person in our church family that we wrestle with depression. How backwards and how broken that is. As a church family, it's one of the reasons why we're leaning into it. Because the church family, the very baseline of being a part of a church family is the fundamental truth that apart from Christ, we're all in despair. And we're all broken. There is no such thing as an unbroken person apart from Christ. And yet we continue the facade, don't we? We continue to pretend don't we? And yet the spiral of depression for many of us is pulling us down in such painful and deep ways we can't even bear it. 
And then not only do we feel the depression, we feel depression about our depression because for those of us who follow Jesus, we think we're not supposed to feel depressed. It's supposed to be happy. Just look at the pastor. Why are you laughing? That's more than a joke. And then we're depressed about the depression and then we feel shame about it, which adds to more depression and then we feel guilt. Why am I feeling this way? And then we feel fear. Who's going to find out? And then we look in the mirror and we hate the person we see. And then some of you know this. And then the thought creeps in, is it worth it anymore? Do I even want to go on? And we feel like we're being dragged into an abyss, a deep chasm of darkness. Food loses its flavor. Music is muted. Things become gray. There are many reasons why we can feel depression, physically, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, morally. But I'm frankly not so much interested in the why. I'm interested in what do I do now? What do I do in my depression? I'm, I'm glad to be diagnosed. I'm glad to hear like, why it's happening to me, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, relational. But I want to know, what do I do now? And that brings us to our question for today. What do we do with our depression? How do we fight this battle, friends? Though the contemporary Western church has been little help, giving trite statements and accusatory prescriptions like, you're not praying enough, you're not having enough quiet times, you're not reading your Bible enough, how consumeristic of a mindset that is, I wonder, why we think that would help. We're going to go to the ancient wisdom of the Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm 42 today as we ask this question, what do I do, what do we do with our depression Psalm 42, I'm going to read it all the way through. We'll have it up on the screen. And I'd like for you, as you read along with me, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, to note how nuanced, complex, and brutally honest the songwriter is. Now, the Psalms, are, it's a collection of songs that are also prayers, so what you have here in Psalm 42 is a song that is also a prayer, a prayer that's sung to God, do you see? And in Psalm 42, you have one of the most complex exposés on the human psyche, coupled with a brutal honesty that oftentimes, I'm afraid, you will not find in places like this, at least right now. Maybe the Lord will bless us with growth in that area. Psalm 42, as the deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. Well, all day long, people say to me, where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart. How I walked with many, leading the festive procession in the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. But why, my soul, are you so dejected? 
Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the, from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon and the Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All of your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love this day. His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. And I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of my enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones. All the day long they say to me, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of the Lord. The Psalter, the songwriter, tells us this key fundamental truth, that you are not alone. You see, the abyss of depression blinds us to this reality. You are not alone. You are not the only one broken. You are not the only one hurting. You are not the only one in depression. You are not the only one in despair. You are not alone. Look at the text. We'll take a look at it on the next screen. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such, what's the word? Turmoil. I am deeply, what's the word? Now, where is this coming from? Is this coming from modern literature? Is this coming from a Nirvana album? Where is this coming from? A prayer, an ancient prayer sung to God. In Scripture, I am deeply, what's the word? I will say to God, my rock, why have you... How many of you know what that feels like? You are not alone. There are many whys. Why do I feel this way? Some of it's physical. Some of it can be a lack of sleep or chemical imbalance. Uh, Sometimes it can be relational. We uh, We have relationship breakdown, and that can lead to depression. For some of us, it is moral. We allow the evil to control our hearts, the evil within to control us. We intentionally separate ourselves from God. Sometimes it is spiritual. We feel deep lament over the pain that we see in the world, and that transitions to deep depression. Or for some of us here today, it may just be the very real existential dread of a thought process that goes like this. There are many people out there telling me that I'm just the product of random chance, that there is no point to my life. My beginning and my end are meaningless And as I've thought about that, I've begun to wonder, should I even go on? There are some of us who are here today giving Jesus a chance to answer that question. And let me just cut right to the chase. The premise of that thought process is broken and evil. For you are not here by mistake. There is no such thing as an accidental person. I don't care what the rhetoric on news radio says, there's no trash and crap people 
Every single person is made in the image and likeness of God. There is no accident people. And so the premise, I'm just here, the product of random chance, is false. You are not. You are beloved by God, uniquely created in his own image, and he loves you so much. And I don't know why we feel the depression, and frankly, it can, it can oftentimes be a compilation of those things, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, relational, because we're complex beings. Oh, it drives me absolutely bonkers when I hear people say, you know what your problem is? And then they point to one thing. You just need to exercise more. Well, maybe if this is being brought on by a physical thing, then yeah, maybe that'll help. But if you're having existential dread, exercise, well, I mean, I know most of us feel existential dread when we go to the gym. So that's not going to help. And it can be a complex because we're so, we are interwoven body, mind, and soul. And the answers that we're giving oftentimes are just, just too simple and unhelpful. You are not alone. There are many figures, even in Scripture, the songwriter struggles with depression. I don't know if you saw it in the text. Other biblical figures, for those of you, maybe you're familiar with some aspects of the Bible, here's some people that you'll see in the Scriptures. Moses, Hagar, David, Naomi, Solomon, Elijah, Jeremiah, Hannah, John the Baptist, the Apostle Paul, all wrestled with depression. You are not alone. You're not the only broken person in the room. And the Scriptures put this right in front of your face. You see it in Psalm 42, you are not alone. And there is a lie that comes from the pit of hell that goes like this. If you start following Jesus, you become a Christian, you get saved, you get born again, whatever nomenclature you want to use, when that happens, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. And so we feel shame when we feel depression because we feel like we're doing something with Jesus wrong here. But I want you to know that far from the health, wealth, and prosperous lie, you may very well be led into the dark corners of your heart that up until this point in time you've been ignoring because you haven't been forced to take a look at him. Jesus may very well lead you through a dark night of the soul for your deep healing. And when, before following Jesus, you've just been masking it. The evil within and the darkness within and the evil out there and the darkness out there in following Jesus may become so vivid that you begin to think, why would anyone believe that following Jesus means I will be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous? I'm lamenting. I'm sad. I'm frustrated. I'm angry because I'm seeing things I've never seen before. It's a great sales pitch, right? Like for a preacher. <laughs> Jesus does not bring us the health, wealth, and prosperity that we conjure up in our minds. He brings us life abundant, but it's life, it is life abundant that looks like a cross. And so we are not alone. You are not alone in your depression. We are all broken. We'll continue on in the text. 
We'll take a look here up on the screen. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. How many of you know what it feels like? You don't, don't raise your hand. You don't have to respond. But how, I know many of us here today know what it feels like to be in such agony that you don't eat. That what's going on inside of here changes your body in such a way that you can't even consume food. And the only thing you consume is when the tears stream down your face into your mouth. And the only thing you're eating are tears. You are not alone. My tears have been my food day and night. While all day long people say to me, what? Where's your God? How do you think the songwriter feels? Yeah, you're telling me? I'm wondering the same thing. I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. What's the songwriter saying? I'm dejected, I'm torn up inside, I'm depressed, but I remember going to church. And boy, they were singing a happy song. And I remember singing that happy song. And I remember being with people and celebrating, but here in the midst of my depression, I'm wondering, where's my God? And one of the things that this shows us, by the way, is that we're not alone. Amen. You are not alone. For God has given to you others, allies. I don't know if you heard it in the text, but there's this, and I want to encourage you to read it later, Psalm 42. There is a violent back and forth. I don't know if you heard it, but the songwriter, their song goes like this. I love you, Lord. I trust in you. Why am I so despairing? Why am I in such agony? I remember your goodness. You are my rock, but where are you? Do you see the back and forth? Do you see the wrestling match? If you've ever watched uh, an MMA fighter's, I know never, Kathy. I, I, okay. Fine, okay? World Wrestling Federation is more your style. I know that, okay? But if you've ever watched MMA or, or high school wrestling, one of the things that you can watch is, number one, when they grapple, they're very close, aren't they? And who's winning? Well, it depends on what second it is. Because you can be winning in a grappling match, you can have them, you can be submitting them and feel victorious and in a heartbeat, they wriggle loose and they've got you and they're dominating you. And so it is with the soul. God, I love you, you're my rock, where are you? I can't find you anywhere. How many of you know that in your own hearts you can go from one to the other a thousand times in a church service? When we fight these battles, we need allies. And God is so good because he's given them to us. Amen. You are not alone. Right. As a church family, we saw uh, uh, Don and Gail share a little bit about mending the soul, celebrate recovery. We have counseling available. We have pastoral care. You, listen, you are not alone in your brokenness, and you are not alone in finding healing either. Right. This is not something to do on your own. Here's something we're going to do. We're doing this every week. I'm going to ask everyone to take out your phones. We're not going to do anything weird. You don't even have to turn it on, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking everybody to take out your phones. 
please take out your phones. Here's the reason I'm doing that, is we don't want anyone to feel isolated in this moment. Okay, so even if you, like, if you don't have your phone, take your shoe off, be the get smart guy, that's fine. Or just pretend like you have your phone. We don't want anyone to feel isolated. We don't want anyone right now in this moment feeling like everyone is looking at me as I take out my phone. Are you with me on this? Because you're not in this alone. And there are some of us who are ready to take our next step in healing, whether that's celebrate recovery, mending the soul, counseling, pastoral coaching, and care. I'm going to ask that you would text the word baggage to 55222. You can see it up there. If you're not, if you're not ready to at this moment, or maybe you've already done so, or maybe you're not feeling like this is for you, just fake tap on your phone. That's fine. But there are those of us here right now today who feel so alone. And we feel like we're in this pit of despair and we need help. And we as a church family, we want to give you that help. This will be handled confidentially. We're just going to send you some information. You're not, you're not sharing your name or anything. You're just, we're going to send some information automatically to you, to your phones, so that you have it. And it may be that you're not ready to take that step, but there may be someone in your life who is ready to take that step. So I want to encourage you to text 55222, text baggage to 55222, please. But we got to remember this, that you are not alone. We are not alone. We wrestle in our depression, but we are not alone. How do you fight your battles? You don't do it alone. I want to give, for those of us who maybe this uh, message, maybe even this text is hitting us in a unique way where it's not, it's not maybe us wrestling with the depression, but maybe someone in our life. I want to take just a pause and just give a few thoughts as I was thinking and praying through this. How is it that we can care for someone as they're entrapped or feeling trapped or enslaved to depression? I want to give you just a few things to think through. I've written them down here, so I'll read them to you. Number one, serving and ministering to those who are wrestling with depression is a long, long road. There are no cotton candy fixes to depression. And so be patient. I guarantee you're going to get frustrated. I guarantee you're going to have those moments where you're like this. Man, I love them, but what is their problem? And no one's asking you to diagnose. And Jesus doesn't ever ask us to go in and point out all the problems. Jesus says this, love them as I love you and bear their burdens with them. But it requires great patience, and so be patient. I know many of you are doing that. You're, you're in the middle of it. It's been years. It's been decades. Oh, Jesus is so good. And as we release ourselves to him, he gives us the patience in the moment. By the way, the patience never comes before. It's always in the moment. Two, encouraging words may not seem like much to you, but they can be a world of difference. I know you said a nice thing two weeks ago, but sometimes it's an hourly affirmation of your love for them, an encouraging word. Depending on the nature of your relationship, number three, there may be some questions that you can ask, like, how was today? It's open-ended. It allows them to give what they feel like they want to give. How is today? Is today different than yesterday? How is today? 
considerate gestures. <laughs> Here's this thing that, that we do, that I do. People say, is there anything you need? Can I help you? And what, what's my answer every time? No, I'm fine. But you know what? When people have made gestures towards me, especially in times of deep pain, even like a little gift, like I saw this and I thought of you, do you know how much that means to me? It means a great deal to me. And I'm not asking you to go out and ask them an itemized list for all the stuff they need, but a considerate gesture can go a long way to communicate love. And model Jesus for them. Be in the darkness with them. You don't have to have the light, but you can be in the darkness with them and point to the light. And most of the time, that's just being in the room. Even if they say things like this, and I know it's so frustrating, it's hard to navigate all this, and oh my goodness, they say things like, no, no, you should go home. But I, but I want you to stay. <laughs> right? That second part never gets said out loud, rarely gets said out loud. Just being present. Because you're never alone. You are not alone. The song reminds us that we are not alone in our brokenness. The song reminds us that we are not alone in fighting these battles. We have others. But third and finally, take a look at the text. Put it up here on the screen. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfall. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. And then here it is. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. Just as the wave sweeps over you, so too God is over you. Just as when your body goes into the ocean and, it's cons- and the ocean consumes you, as the wave sweeps over you, so too God's love has swept over you. And then I want to leave you with this promise. Deuteronomy 31.8 is where you'll find it. The book of Hebrews cites it as well and approximates it to Jesus as well. The Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or, what's the word? Or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Jesus says to you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always. And friends, I want you to remember this. You are not alone. Christ is with you. He loves you so much, but there's more to it than just that. Not only is God present with you as a wave swallows over you, but when you speak to him, just as the songwriter has done, you are speaking to one who knows experientially what it means to have a heart that feels dejected. You are speaking to one who knows firsthand what it feels like to be betrayed. You are speaking to one who knows firsthand what it is to agonize and to have only tears for food. When you pray, as the songwriter has done, in the midst of this wrestling match, in the midst of our depression, oscillating between trust and fear, oscillating between faith and desperation, oscillating between the abyss and the rock, in the midst of that, he is with you. And he knows what it is like. You can trust him. 
Would you relinquish yourself to him? Would you give yourself to him? Would you join me as we pray?